Okay, we're here with uh, cool. John Odoms. Um, hey, John, how are you, mate? I am well. Yourself? Yeah, I'm going well. Down in uh, a bit chilly down in Hobart at the moment, yeah. but the trails are good, so that's the most important thing. It's very wet up here in Sydney at the moment, but we've had some great uh, winter weather. Had 26 degrees and sun sun on the weekend, so it has been good. Oh, that's nice. Whereabouts in Sydney are you? What, what part of Sydney? I am based uh, just in, in the Sutherland Shire on the south side of Sydney, right near the Royal National Park, um, which is home to my uh, local mountain bike riding and trails uh, and plenty of good road riding as well. You're right. And so you, the, the trails near your home, like how far will you need to travel to get to your trails? I, um, I actually ride to the trails. So they're about five kilometres from my front door which is ideal for a warm-up perfect and is that a is that a combination of of um cross and enduro or is it just specific um just sort of open trails a lot of single track or fire trail a a lot of single track um and a fair bit of fire road as well most of the riding is um quite similar to the trails in in western australia in that they're real dry. We do have some pea gravel sections. Um, there's lots of rock slabs and stuff like that as well. Um, we have had heaps of oh, a, a fairly significant amount of good cross-country mountain bikers uh, from the early days, like uh, Paul Rowney's from around here, Josh Fleming, who went to the Olympics, uh, Sid Tabalay, who was from Tasmania and lived up here as well. He went to the Olympics, um, have all come from this area as well as Rob Woods, who was one of the original I suppose I think he went to the '96 Olympics. So yeah, right. It's a good good breeding ground. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for cross country riding, it's really good. Uh, I would love if the hills were a bit bigger and there were some more enduro trails. Um, but it is what it is. So it's enjoyable, and I love it. So it's good. Uh, once um once you're out of lockdown, you have to come down to Tasmania. There's uh, plenty of vert down here. Uh, any excuse. Yeah. Um, you're talking of um, Cape to Cape or talking about the trails around your place, that that you're saying there's similar sort of um, surface to Cape to Cape when you're there? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a pretty wide uh, range of trails at the Cape to Cape. I mean, from, like, the first stage uh, down near the lighthouses on on some real clay red dirt uh, with some sandy trails in it. So we have that sort of covered. Uh, The second day is generally darker dirt and faster trails which we have a little bit of, um, I suppose, dark sort of loamy dirt up here, but not so much. And then we also have a lot of, I suppose, like the red pea gravel, which generally uh, is around that brewery on the, on the third and fourth stages and around Margaret River itself. Yeah. So, so when you go into each stage, is there anything different you do with your bike, with tyre pressures or different tyres or anything that you change for each stage? Um, I mean, I don't make too much of a, as far as bike changes, um, pretty much throughout the whole season. I mean, I tend to make sure that I have the correct, uh, tires for the event, depending on what the terrain is like Um, pressure wise. I tend to run the same at most events running like sort of 23, 24 in the rear tire and 20 to 22 in the front, just depending on what that ground condition is. Um, but having that consistency that your bike's going to react and handle the same way is probably one of the most crucial things because whilst you can if you haven't done the stage before you need to be prepared for anything Uh, so being able to go back to it to an event and do it for a second time it does definitely give you an advantage because you can be more prepared for it yeah yeah so that's the um it's being prepared 
Um, and also making sure at the end of the day or, or the things you're doing, doing during each stage and then um, from a nutrition or hydration perspective, making sure that uh, you're recovered and ready for the next day. Is there anything you do um, yeah, you've, I, that you've sorry, learned? I, I oh, suppose, just stage racing. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that, I mean, going from doing a couple of, a couple of the, the races solo and then going in to do them pairs with Trekkie, I mean, I had a little bit of information, but just seeing how he did it as well. Um, was really good and I suppose the thing that I tend to do even with my normal training is to make sure that I have everything for after my ride all ready to go so have my protein shake there for after the ride um, know what I'm going to eat if I need to eat directly before or as I get up in the morning if I'm training before work and, uh, and getting the kids to school in the normal routine of things and obviously also having your bottles ready to go so that it's as easy as you can possibly make it and less things to think about on the actual day of the race or on an early morning when you're getting up for training. So I'll always make my bottles the night before. If I'm going out for a three hour ride or something like that, I'll have a couple of gels or a couple of bars there, have my shake for after. So making it as simple and easy as possible with a bit better preparation. Yeah. So the key is that preparation, having anything ready. So when you're off the bike and feeling a little disheveled, you're not having to organize everything. Everything's there to, to access. Yeah. yeah. I think that, um, I think that the having been, being prepared like that, particularly at a stage race is the difference between like for, for a lot of people, I think it can be from a, a good performance to a great performance um, because how your body recovers in those couple of hours directly after uh, probably make, I, I don't know the scientific numbers, but for me, I think that it makes a, a massive difference. Those, those two hours straight after they have the protein and eat the right things and have a little bit of sugar so that you, you don't just fade away into nothingness. Um, and also how to, how you cool your body down from, from racing it at a hundred percent for, a, for a few hours to I suppose, just resting up and putting the legs up and recovering for the next day. Yeah. Cause it's not very often that you ride a mountain bike four days in a row, is it? So no, I mean it, it is pretty much limited to these these sorts of events. I mean, I've done two races that are longer. Um, I did uh, the Pioneer over in New Zealand, which was a couple of days longer, and I've done BC Bike Race, which is a seven-day one. Um, but it all works. Four days is enough to really stress the body, and that's where it goes from being a pretty different kettle of fish to doing two days in a row to doing four or more. Yeah, it, it, certainly, uh, it certainly makes a difference when you're having to back up each day. Um, so that's sort of, um, something I noticed in 2019, because obviously the race wasn't last year because of COVID, um, even that first day in, uh, Augusta was, it was coolish. It wasn't a warm day, but we had a lot of the riders coming back to our tent, the, back to the Coda tent afterwards, suffering cramping issues and that sort of thing, which we found quite surprising given it wasn't super hot. Um, and then what we realized with a lot of them were they were just drinking plain water and not replacing electrolytes, most importantly, the sodium component of their, of their sweat and um, making sure that they were doing that the next day and then keeping yeah. in mind them and making sure that, um, you know, the issues they had in day one, they weren't having in day two, because if you're having problems in day one, it's going to make two, three and four really difficult. So um making sure that you're drinking enough, but not too much in the cooler conditions, but 
Yeah. The, the thing is in, in October, it, it could be yeah. cool in the morning or it could be really hot. It, it's, it's, um, it's really, you can't, you, you can't um, plan for what the weather's going to be doing in, uh, in um, yeah. that, that sort of, that, that time of the year. Yeah, I think having um, having the I, I use the coated tabs, obviously, but having those in your bottles and also knowing how many that you need for the right uh, conditions, be it hot or cold, uh, is really important. I mean, I think that there's a lot of people out there who have obviously got lots of different things in their drink bottles. Some of them might have Coke in there because they think that the caffeine's good for them, or Red Bull, or um, I don't know, like Sprite, or just plain water, or whatever but i mean having the coda tabs you've got the right amount of sodium in them for me means that you don't have to worry about cramping yeah if you if you're focusing on the things that you're losing most of and that is obviously the water that you lose or sweat mm. and then there's a lot of sodium an interesting thing with sodium is that there's um some athletes have a lot more sodium loss in their sweat than others so um some athletes might get away with having one tablet in a bottle. Some might have two. Some even might have yeah. three. So yeah. it's, it's really um, these sort of events that if you are having trouble um, early on, mm. it's best to try these things. So if you can, yeah. you can sort them out, it makes the, the rest of the stages a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, if you can do the, the, the code of sweat test that I did once a, a while ago, um, being able to have that information is also real handy, particularly for the people who want to go from being a little bit competitive to being that next level of competitive, having that uh, information so that, you know, like I know that I need to have like in my 600 ml bottles, I need to have one tab. If it's a, a cool, cool day, not too hot, but if it's a hotter day, then I need to have one and a half um, just to get through. So, yeah, it's good having that information. It's, um, it's, it's something that, with these um, ready-made sports drinks and powders and that sort of thing, it's kind of a one-size-fits-all. Um, mm. And part of the CODA philosophy is that you need to separate your hydration and calories. So that what it does, in fact, particularly for events like this, where you might get four different types of weather conditions in four days. Some days, if it's cold, you don't need to drink as much, but the next day, if it's hot, you need to drink more. So... Mm if you're relying on your calories and your drink, you kind of stuck it to one set volume of fluid. Um, but you need to be able to change that to, uh, to address the different types of conditions mm. that you experience. So um, it's, it, it kind of makes that um, preparation side of this stage racing. Um, it's just something to think about when you, when you are going into, you know, the four days of racing when, you know, if it's just one day, you can sort of bury yourself and it doesn't really matter too much how you're going to feel the next day, but um, really important yeah. that you, get, you get it right each, um, each stage. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's the same thing as with doing like a, a really long ride or something like that. You can grin and bear it for a couple of hours or your body will grin and bear it for a couple of hours. But as soon as you start to push it a little bit further, that's when, when it really starts to matter and the, and the small differences become bigger differences as far as your performance goes. Yeah. Do you um you wear heart rate monitor when you're when you're racing? Yeah, so I um I always run a heart rate monitor, and most of my bikes run a power meter on as well, um so oh. I can monitor how much effort I'm putting in, how much power is going out, uh, and I think that 
that's another thing that I really like the, I suppose, having that information so that I can prepare better for events. Um, whilst I may not be the strongest rider out there physically, I can adjust my riding style and my preparation to suit, uh, which definitely aids making my performance uh, good, that's for sure. Yeah. So what? So typical, um, let's say, say stage one of Cape to Cape, what, mm. what, would, you, what would your average watts be for, for that stage? You got some idea? Ooh, uh I wouldn't know off the top of my head. I haven't looked at it for a, for a little while. Um, I would suspect that it would probably be an average power would probably be between 270 and 300. Right. Um, I'm only around 63, 64 kilos. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at it, you'd have to look at it as a like a watts to kilo sort of so thing. Though, so around I mean, that five, four and a half to five watts a kilo. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, right. And you can hold that for the, what's that, three hours for that first stage? Most of, this, most of the um, Cape to Cape stages are normally around two hours, right. give or take a little bit either, either side. Um, that's what I would generally plan my um, nutrition on and stuff like that. Even the, um, I think it's the second stage uh, is normally around closer to the 60 kilometer length, but yeah. the average speed's a lot higher because you don't have as much single track on that one, so... Yeah, right. So you can get yeah. faster. Yeah. yeah. So, you, yeah. So you, you know, if you you are pushing around that 280 watts to 300, what, mm. what's your heart rate sitting at around that um, that intensity? <laughs> as, as low as possible is good, but I, I think that my heart rate averages out normally around 160 to 165. Right. Um, for that, which is, I, I think that from the data that I've seen with all the, the top guys, be it Trekkie or or Taz or, um, or Russell or Reese or um, Brent all works out being a pretty high average. Um, the younger guys tend to have a little bit higher average heart rate. Some of them will be like 170, 170 plus in some, in some situations. Yeah. It's interesting looking at other people's numbers when, you're, um, when you are racing at that intensity. It gives you an idea mm. that um, how different some people are. And yeah. Um, even um, you know, even at those one seventy, one seventy heart rates, they they're still able to speak and not be too dishevelled, which is uh, which yeah. is really interesting. Yeah. It's just what their body is used to working at and how their how their body works. I mean, the other thing that I've started to notice, like a lot with my training, and probably thought more about, is like with um with a local group of riders, like riding up a hill, you might have a guy who's like real quick, but same weight as you, but might do twenty percent more power. It's because he's how he pedals the actual bike isn't efficient. He may, may have used to have been a runner or something like that, and he's real choppy on the pedals. And so whilst you're both going the same amount of speed that it's taking, he's pumping out lots more power than you. So it, you really need to look at your numbers as your own. Whilst you can compare them to other people's, it's not always a helpful thing to go down that, that avenue and do. Yeah, that's the, the perfect mindset for an athlete is that you have to – just work to your own numbers. It doesn't matter what other numbers are that other people are throwing out. And, mm. and that comes down to um, your physiological makeup too. And, mm. um, you know, when you're talking about hydration, different sweat rates, different sodium concentrations in your sweat, um, calorie expenditure, um, you know, the, the, obviously the faster and more, uh, more power you're putting out, the more energy you're going to expend. 
Um, yeah. So that's something you need to be really mindful of too, is that you don't want to go using all your bickies in the first couple of days and then having no- nothing left for the last two stages as well. Yeah. So it, it, are there times where you're thinking about measuring your effort as well in the, in the early yeah, stages? Definitely about pacing yourself. Um, I mean, lots of races talk about how, how many matches you've got to burn, but I mean, I try to have the mental, I, I suppose, position to, to be riding into a race. So you want to start comfortably within yourself and then build your speed as you go throughout the, the event. And so the last couple of days when you know that everyone else is getting more tired, you're getting stronger. You're mentally coming into your own. You've been looking after your, your nutrition, stuff like that. So you're not feeling as tired as the next guy. And that gives you, I think it gives you a pretty good mental advantage, um, which then will generally pave the way for the success. So do you, what sort of warm up do you do at the start of a stage? Do you do any at all or you just... Go straight into the race. Yeah, I try to make sure that I have a good pedal of about half an hour to 45 minutes before. Um, just start off nice and slow and then build up the speed, do a couple of sprints and stuff like that. I find that um, with my legs, if I go too hard too soon, um, I just feel like the muscle is like like full. It's full of blood, but the actual like, I suppose the fascia of it feels like it's not ready and it's not ready to expand yet. Yeah. Um, so I feel that that tightness, that's when I, I can actually tell when I haven't warmed up well enough. Um, and I d- often do it when I'm running late to a training ride, been riding up to meet someone because I've got, I got a 50 metre, I suppose, uh, a hill 50 metres from my front door that's about a 100 metres vertical over about, oh, like probably about 500 metres. So it's quite a, a steep hill straight up. Um, you can't get over it doing under 300 watts. So, you have i have to learn to pace myself up there because otherwise you'll spend two hours quite uncomfortable yeah right so you you need to have a nice warm engine before you 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 start racing yeah make sure the heart rate's elevated yeah blood's pumping yeah it's um it's it's always good because a lot of the times um riders are are pretty rushed and they they get to the start line and they haven't really had an opportunity to to warm up or yeah so yeah that that's good advice um, yeah, it, it's again, it just comes back to that preparation factor. Yeah. Um, better the preparation is and the more planned out that you are, the more time that you have, the more comfortable that you're going to be. Nothing's stressed, like nothing's last minute. You're like, got my bottles, got my gels, gels in the pocket, number plates on the front of the bike, bikes all checked over, got the chain lube on, tire pressure's exactly as it should be, warmed up. It's, uh, it makes it a lot easier when it's just a tick box sort of, system and i suppose the experience is where that that's that's invaluable because you know all the things that you need to have going on it's no stress to have that all organized so yeah so that's the biggest advice you'd give anyone who's a first timer at this for, uh, stage racing and yeah uh, anyone who's probably done it a few times still may not be as organized as they should be so that's probably the the number one thing is mm is preparation and covering all those aspects before you start each day. Yeah. And, and yeah, just being prepared so that you're prepared before the whole event and that you're prepared for each day before and after each race. Um, that way you I mean, particularly with your food and stuff like that, or if you've got to have, have cars moving and people here and there to, to feed you and stuff like that, having all that organized and making that as uh, stressless as possible. 
that that's where you can make some good games and makes it makes a good event as I said into a great event. Yeah, it becomes more enjoyable that way when you're not stressed, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, mate. I'll, um, thanks for your time. And uh, we're not too sure whether you're going to get there just yet. We'll uh, COVID permitting, isn't it? It's uh, fingers crossed. Still. Yeah. That'd be really nice. Yeah. And, and your um, your partner of choice is Trekkie again. Is that right? Yeah, Trekkie's uh, obviously the partner of choice. I had a good chat with him today. So we're both um, Trekkie's in Canberra as well. So we've both got our fingers crossed that we can go. But we will just wait and see. If not, I'll um, I'll keep up with my local ridiculous challenges that I'm coming up with at the moment. So what, what, what are that. they, mate? What what um, challenges um, <laughs> are you doing? <laughs> um, so well, the last weekend, because we can't go anywhere, I came up with the idea of doing a 100-mile mountain bike race, so more elevation and slightly more distance than the Leadville in America. Um, so What's the elevation for Leadville? Uh, 3,200 vertical metres wow. within 160 kilometres. So we did uh, – there's also another, another, I suppose, the Australian version of the Leadville, which is called uh, the Cattleman down in Victoria in Omeo, which is 172 kilometres, and it's 4,200 vertical metres. Wow. We don't have enough hills for it. So we did 172 kilometers and we did like 3,600 vertical. Wow. So that was a good day. That yeah. was only two days ago though. That's a big day. How long did that take you? Um, just under eight hours. Um, but it was a couple, just a pair of us riding together. So I wanted to make sure that we both finished in one piece. So it was a good day. Nice. Oh, well, that's uh, yeah. certainly good prep if you, uh, if you do get over for Cape to Cape. Mate. Yeah. Yeah, yep, a couple more to go before then, but see how we go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Mo, thanks cool. again for your time and uh, take care and fingers crossed we'll see you at uh, Cape to Cape. Yeah. Thanks, Daz. Appreciate it. All right, mate. Thanks. See you, buddy. Bye.